Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. I learned about Ruth's story from a previous guest, Danielle Ellis. It is really easy to see right off the bat why Danielle and Ruth are such good friends. They both turn to food as a second career. They both live in the UK and share all the wonderful British qualities of self-deprecation that we Americans so admire. And both Ruth and Danielle teach bread baking. However, when Danielle introduced me to Ruth, Ruth's life had taken a very unexpected turn. After 18 months of easy-to-miss or easy-to-dismiss symptoms, Ruth saw a doctor for kidney pain. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, operated on almost immediately, and started a round of punishing chemotherapy. During her chemotherapy, that was when Danielle shared Ruth's social media, and I started following her. And what did I see Ruth saying and doing on her social media? Well... As a self-described whirling dervish, Ruth was not exactly taking it easy during her treatments. Instead, she was teaching classes, Zoom classes, on how to cook for patients undergoing cancer treatments while she herself was undergoing cancer treatments. Ruth was donating all of the proceeds from these classes to the Macmillan Foundation, which supports cancer patients. So in this episode, I talked to Ruth about food and cancer from four perspectives. First, food as medicine. Second, how to adjust a diet for the many symptoms cancer patients experience during treatments. Symptoms like low appetite, mouth sores, digestive issues, things like that. Third, we talk about the potential that cooking has to be a release or a distraction or an emotional boost during treatment and how that worked out for Ruth. And finally, Ruth gives us advice on how we can cook and care for families as they undergo cancer treatments. Also, we talk about Ruth's unusual and idyllic childhood in the north of Scotland, where Ruth's father owned the world-renowned Clifton House, a hotel that was a vibrant center of arts. Meanwhile, Ruth's mother was a potter whose work is still featured at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. This is an absolutely can't-miss episode, and I'm so thrilled to welcome Ruth right now. I also want to welcome you, listeners, and I just want to remind you that without you, there is no Storied Recipe Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I would like to invite you real quickly over to the Storied Recipe website, where you can find a link to all the books Ruth discusses in this episode, the foundation she recommends supporting, and her father's delicious Tunisian orange cake. You'll also find lots of information about food photography and food styling over there. If you're new to the podcast, I would love to share my photographs with you, the photographs of the recipes that my guests share. As a wedding photographer for almost a decade, when I turned to food photography, I found that I wanted to photograph dishes and stories that meant something to people rather than shooting for brands. So I do not work for brands. And the best way you can support this podcast is to shop the Storied Recipe print shop, where every print tells the story of one of my guests favorite recipes. The photograph celebrates the beautiful and gracious gift of produce to us, and I carefully observe and make use of extraordinary light in every photograph that I share. You can head over to thestoriedrecipe.com to find all of that. And now, a welcome again to you for being here and to Ruth. 
Hello, Ruth. Hello. How are you? Hi. Today I'm in my mother, my godmother's house. Oh. And I'm in the north of Scotland. I arrived on Tuesday and she said to me, Right, I've got a dinner party organised. I hope you don't mind, you're going to cook. <laughs> so oh. yesterday we had uh, seven <laughs> people over for dinner uh, and had a, you know, they know how to party these octet- octogenarians. <laughs> They have not. Yeah, we're all worried about our liver now. <laughs> oh, 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 that's so funny. Now, um, were you able to do that? Because you were you were not feeling well earlier this week. Earlier, th- so yeah, it's interesting. I have had so I finished chemotherapy in July. I went on to this maintenance therapy. So I hadn't realized that a maintenance drug is essentially an oral chemotherapy. Uh, um, and, uh, so I started this oral chemotherapy, um, and I, you know, by the end of the month, I literally was feeling very, very weak. So weak mm. in fact that I, you know, obviously like yourself, I live with, um, the family mm-hmm. and the family don't always leave the kitchen as I would like them to leave the kitchen. And I was like this, Oh, just can't be bothered, you know, mm. can't be bothered to wipe mm-hmm. it down. And I was just feeling really, so they took me off. They've taken me off that drug okay, because I had got quite low white blood cells. Mm. And uh, so I was expecting the, the following week that I would be feeling really, you know, up and buzzy again and my mm. usual self. And I just felt absolutely dreadful. And then I went to the, the I'm really lucky I'm under the Marsden which is a, you know, brilliant hospital to be under in the United Kingdom. Okay. Um, and um, they said, unfortunately, your white blood cells have dropped another 30%. Wow. It just shows you that the drug we've been giving you is too strong, but it, it just explained why I was feeling so rough. Yeah. And then um, I said, oh, will I still be able to go to Scotland on the plane? <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, she said, I've got to go and check with the register. And she came back. She said, yep, you got to live your life, Ruth. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you mark make sure you mask up don't right. touch anything and don't put your fingers in your mouth I went, right, right fine no problem right <laughs> and so I traveled up here from uh Gatwick to uh Inverness uh on Tuesday and I've been feeling brilliant actually so yeah Wonderful. in answer to your question I've been on fine form wonderful well enough yeah. to cook for eight people you and seven others so <laughs> well enough that's amazing well enough to cook uh, we've got more people coming tonight in fact oh oh well <laughs> yeah so this is me and my godmother's uh my godmother's abode but she's got a great little kitchen I love coming up here and cooking mm. she's got you know she's got all the right equipment in a very you know quite a small space and it's just really good to cook in so it's yeah. always quite a joy and even but, though I am cooking I do feel I'm on holiday yeah. <laughs> My godmother's next door. She's just said, good. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, yeah. Cooking and not doing much else is holiday. Hey, does somebody else do the dishes? No, no. A dishwasher. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not a, a holiday if you're doing the dishes. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, there is there is the fact is that I've left my children down south with my yeah. husband and my dog. So in actual fact, yes, any mess that I make, I'm clearing up. Yes. I wouldn't expect it to be there in the morning uh, it, it, to be made worse. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Ruth, what I would love to do is go back and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what I, what I want to do is I want for my listeners to hear about how food has intersected with your cancer mm-hmm. journey. So okay. if we can, I'd like to go back and 
could you tell, we just heard like the most recent part of getting on this oral chemotherapy and coming off. Can you tell us from the beginning about your diagnosis? When did this first even occurred to you as a possibility? And what have you been through so far with cancer? Okay, right. So in a way, it's quite hard, not hard as an emotional to go back. Mm. But having now, when I discovered I had got cancer, I then realized there were many indications to something not being quite right. Mm. That you Um, overlooked. Yeah, for me for quite a while. Um, Mm. You know, I'm 56 now. Mm -hmm. And I had been getting, you know, when I was about 54, mm-hmm. I started to get quite tired. And I put this largely down to, you know, possibly going into menopause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a bit more possibility about menopause now, but I've got really no idea what to expect. Yeah. So when I was about 54, before that, maybe when I was about 52, I, I thought I'm, I'm definitely going to go into men, going into menopause. I went mm-hmm. to the doctor, I went on HRT. And then, uh, so I was on HRT for a couple of years and then Brexit happened. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff in the UK about you're never going to be able to get the uh, HRT. It's all going to go, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, and I thought, do you know what I'm going to come off? I'm going to come off the HRT. Mm. HRT for people listening is hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, you've got to come off it eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. And two, I just thought I'd rather come off it in my own terms rather than other people's terms. Mm-hmm. So I came off the HRT, I think maybe about July. And I, I just had been noticing that I was getting really tired. Mm-hmm. And then I... I had a tiny, tiny, little, tiny, little bit of blood in my urine, but nothing. I just didn't realize that if you're going through menopause, you shouldn't get blood like that. Mm. And I had a little bit of a pain in my side, but I didn't really realize. I just thought, you know, maybe I'd been had too much of a strain or something like that. So this really was about a year and a half before my diagnosis. And I just kind of put it to bed and I just sort of didn't do anything. And I just put it down to going into menopause, yeah. getting older. Um, I did feel I was putting on a little bit of weight. I thought that's me just getting older, going yeah. into menopause. Yeah. Right. It all sounds very consistent with it, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then uh, lockdown. Mm. Lockdown for me involved me getting even busier. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as Boris Johnson, our prime minister, um, announced that everything was shutting, passionately, I felt really, really sorry for all the children who would be stuck at home, mm-hmm. not having anything to do. Mm-hmm. And also for parents, really, not having anything for their children to do. Mm-hmm. And I I will say this quite confidently. I was one of the first people to start um doing um broadcasts just from my phone Mm. teaching basic skills and I you know I initially was doing a few days then I started to do it um you know practically every day Mm. and also with that also my micro bakery Mm -hmm. which I'd been like you know doing a little (laughs) 
few loaves in here. Suddenly, everybody wanted bread. Mm. And my husband said, oh, well, I'm not working. I'll help you with the bread. Wow. I don't have a big mixer. Mm. <laughs> and we were doing, well, I don't know, sourdoughs about, about seven. Well, I think one day we did about 70, you know, not all big, you know, white sourdoughs and brown sourdoughs, but, you know, maybe little ones and, uh, wow. you know. So I was working incredibly hard. Yes. And, and your really kids, tired. your own kids also, were home. If, uh, yeah, but I had, uh, J- James, my son is at you, not at university anymore, but was at university. Okay. And Freya, yes, at home. Yeah, okay. Freya at home. Yeah, okay. Uh, but very, she's very self-sufficient. Yeah. Not, you know, she's 16, not like having young little children. Okay, I see. So I, yeah, so I was doing that. And um, I started to get a really bad backache mm. and just put it down to making all this bread. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the backache was really, really kicking in. And so then when lockdown sort of eased off a bit, mm-hmm. um, and I was also doing things like working for the food float, delivering food, mm. um, doing my Instagram lives. I started working as a food editor around about that time um, mm. for Yours Magazine, which is a you know a national magazine here in the UK that comes out uh, twice uh, a month, mm-hmm. and um, you know there was quite a lot going on. Mm. Yes, I would so say then, so. I know. So then, if you were uh, doing that tired, I'd love to know what your life was like. I know. You were tired. I know. Uh, I am very lucky, like my father. Though I am, people call me. I don't know if you have this phrase in the in in the US, a whirling dervish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, I am like that. Uh, anyway, so uh, but I hope I'm quite charming. With it. Um, so anyway, then was doing all that. Lockdown one finished Mm. and I, you know, my husband, my husband at that point said, you know what, I don't know what you're doing with this bread all the time. Cut back on the bread. (laughs) And actually, at that stage, I thought, you know, I've kind of gone off bread making uh, Mm. anyway at this stage. So Mm. that sort of stopped. And then around about Christmas, I had uh, a a really bad shooting pain in my... um, right-hand side mm. and just to sort of by my what I would my groin area I'm terrible at biology by the way mm. so you know yeah yeah we uh, get the idea and this is this is Christmas 2020 just last Christmas like 11 yeah, months just ago, 10 Christmas. 11 months ago okay terrible yeah. terrible pain and I was in the car going mm. oh it's a bit sore and my mm. one of my really good friends lives around the corner and she is the nearest person I've got to a doctor she's like the head nurse in some sort of pra- in pr- a practice. Mm. So I went around and went, have I got appendicitis? Mm. Severian can- cancer had never even, yeah. never even heard about it. Yeah. Never even heard about it. No one had ever even mentioned it to me all the time I was be on HRT yeah. or anything. I mean, I don't, phew, I don't know. Anyway, and she said, no, no, I don't think it, that, you know, it might be to do with your back. You just got to try and take things a little bit easier. Yeah. At that stage, also, I wasn't even thinking about going to the doctor. And then I had this sort of little blood again in my in in my urine, and yeah. like insignificant. I mean, honestly, you know, I can speak no staining, just insignificant. Yeah, just, yeah. Ooh. As women, we're just used to these weird things happening. Yeah, and I just yeah. thought, oh, and I mentioned it to a friend of mine. She said we're on the on a Zoom call. We used to do our Friday night drink, 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 drink. <laughs> Zoom calls, 
And and she said to me, um, you know, I think you should really get that checked out. And I thought, well, okay, I will. And the doctor said, oh, yes, it sounds like a urine Yeah. Uh, So I phoned up the doctor and the doctor said, oh, yes, it sounds like a urine infection. And I thought, and we'll give you some antibiotics. And at that stage, I'm sure there's loads of your women's listeners out there who think, you know what? I do know what a urine infection is like. And I do know that this isn't a urine infection. Mm. I said, "Okay, yeah, I'll have the antibiotics. But I am usually one of these people that would forget things and just put them to the side. But I thought, you know what? I know it's not a urine infection. Mm. I'm going to go to the doctor. And almost when I went to the doctor after I finished the antibiotics, I almost felt like I was going and I was wasting their time. Wow. And she just had a quick feel and she said, right, I'm going to go and send you for a scan, Mm. uh, an ultrasound. So I went for the ultrasound and she said, yeah, I can see you've got one ruptured cyst. They're about 12 centimetres and another one. And I can see straight away you will need to have an operation. You know, it could be cancer. Uh, so then it's, of course it's all COVID. You're all by yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst part. Yeah. That, that was on my birthday. Oh, (laughs) that was on my birthday. So that was on sixth, that was on the 14th of January. And then they were absolutely amazing. The NHS, Mm -hmm. they were absolutely incredible by, I think, say the 14th, by the, by the end of January, I knew I was, I had got, they didn't know if it was stage two or three. Mm. They said I would have to go to have an operation. Mm. Uh, they were very, you know, explicit about what I'd have to do. So I've literally got a scar from, uh, you know, from my, my breasts down to right down my whole body. Um, Why? Why? Just and, to take the ovaries out? Well, it's more. They said at that stage. So, well, I didn't know it was going to be quite as long as that. So then I went into um, the um, I went into the Royal Marsden Chelsea to have what I thought was a six six five hour six hour op, but it turned into an eight hour op because they discovered that the cancer had spread still within the um, the sort of abdomen area, although it had gone up to um, um, my vena cava. Mm. vein wow and they were doing the art but because i was at the marsden they got a specialist in and he got the cancer out from there and uh so it was like an eight hour and i was in hospital for a week week and they were amazing you know they were amazing and you know yes i've got a massive scar from my breast (laughs) what do they call it your pubes do you Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> we get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, it's quite a good little phrase, but I can't remember. Um, and so uh, that was that. I was in there for a week. By the time I came out of hospital, I, but in, in hospital, I, I was getting quite blood. blood can I swear? Uh, <laughs> yeah, as long swear. as the people listening in the car know to turn it down for their kids now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, because I, I, I didn't want to be bloody but I'm bloody minded so I just I thought I want to get out of hospital and I want to be walking but I, I mean I was walking yeah. up and down the corridor in the hospital with my little my little druggy thing that you know you, you, yeah you yeah yeah your IV yeah <laughs> yeah and I was like walking up and down and it's like rattling and rattling I thought all yeah. the nurses hate me and um <laughs> the food wasn't that great but my there's a real foods whole foods the Whole Foods in uh, Chelsea, and my th- darling husband would go there and get the salads and drop them off for me. Oh, <laughs> we all know how cheap Whole Foods is, yeah, um, right. 
And uh, yeah, uh, so that was good. Anyway, I came out of hospital and really within three weeks, I was back to walking two miles a day and being healthy and eating lots of fresh fruit yeah. and um, obviously not cooking, but, you know, eating lots of fresh vegetables yeah. and lots of fiber and lots of things with antioxidants in to like, you know, promote the healing. Yeah. Became addicted to honey, this special honey that was meant to build up uh, blood, which I think is just a complete. Marketing gimmick. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think so. But my husband just really believed in it. He'd go, oh, you've got to have this new honey. It's Aww. like, whatever. Okay, yes. darling, I will. You, Nothing but the best for his you. wife. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah, everybody's yeah, just, right. yeah. Yeah. They want to care for you the best they can. Right. So, um, yeah. so, so no, go for it. Uh, so I, you know, I was eating really good food back home, loving family. I live in a very nice um, part of the country in Surrey, you know, it's very leafy and, yes, you know, beautiful. I walk three, three minutes out my door and I could see the beautiful South, uh, North Downs and, um, Amazing. I've got a lovely little dog and, you know, all that positivity, um, just helps, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I was, I, I consider myself a very lucky woman, a very, very lucky woman. Mm. Um, the serenity and, um, yeah, around you. Now, yeah. did you have to do you talked about this one um, oral chemo. Was that the first thing that you had following the surgery or have you had um, other treatments? No, with, no, within two weeks, I was put on this uh, carbol and taxoplatin, which mm. is like called the gold, the platinum, mm. uh, platinum treatments for um, ovarian chemotherapy, ovarian cancer. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, I had a uh, an allergic reaction to um, the packs of packs. I can't even pronounce it properly. You're, yeah, you're that's okay. People, people. Um, and I had a, I didn't really know much about this reaction. I just was surrounded by people, and um, I had had a you know an allergic reaction. And all that was going through my mind was, oh my goodness, this has been you know billed to me as this is the chemotherapy that's going to you know make you know. <laughs> save you whatever yes right and then you and, can't take it and then I can't take it I'm like oh my goodness terrifying but yeah what they did was they desensitized it so they um they tried to put it so it was meant to take four hours so they huh. tried to put it in over six hours that didn't work so then they did it over 24 hours which worked so that meant that every three weeks I had to go into hospital yeah um and have this treatment over 24 hours and everyone would say, oh, you poor thing having to go into hospital. But, you know, it's hospital, very safe. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a very safe environment to be. They yeah. were absolutely lovely, the nurses. It yeah. was um, really nice food at the Royal Marsden in Sutton. I'm going to give them a big, a big, a big praise for the food. Yes, there. way to go. So Royal Sutton. Really great food. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would um, take in my laptop. I would have you know, cooked all my recipes in the week. And then I would be just writing up the recipes that I had to do for my copy for my editorial work. Mm, and yes. I just used to really relax about it. Yeah. And, uh, uninterrupted it, time to focus. That sounds like a lot of women's you know, dream. <laughs> a couple of people taking me cups of tea. It was absolutely uh, a dream come true. Now, the worst how, part was yes. I, I really, I really hated losing my hair. I have to oh, say. Did you? And uh, I did try on wigs, but I found them really hot. And uh, I did get quite a poppy face from steroids. Yeah. And I I didn't, you know, 
I'm not particularly vain, but obviously I am quite vain. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't like that aspect. None of us would it like it. Little, None of us would like no, it. it. It was a little price to pay, wasn't it? And uh, yes. so I did that, finished that in July with, you know, I was really very, very active up until the last two um, sessions probably hit me the worst, but mm-hmm. actually nothing compared to what I've gone through in the last sort of month, actually, in terms of tiredness and stuff. Mm, mm, mm. And have you had other side effects? Uh, no, I haven't. No, no, not I, the no. nausea that you hear about or loss of taste no. or anything like that. It was, oh, right. Actually, yes. In the last one, number six, mm. I did get this really horrible taste. Mm, a metallic I, taste. I did kind of get, okay, uh, actually, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. I did have problems with my taste. Mm-hmm. I did, yes. I See, I forget about it now. It's like chopper. Uh That's amazing. I did have problems. And um, I did, I did a lot of research and there was a really good book called life's kitchen Mm. by sam ridley riley i think he's called Mm -hmm. and he came up with this book after having looked after his mother um during her you know cancer journey Mm. and um so that was really inspiring i had uh, a friend sent me a really good cookbook called um I can't remember. I'd be called Fless. I've got it on my blog, which is mm. this little kitchen. It's under there. And I did a recipe called Baraharat chicken. Okay. And um, it was just a really flavorsome chicken. I was having lots of broccoli and I would have broccoli and then I'd quickly pan fry it with a little bit of soy sauce and a bit of honey and then put some lemon juice on it. Yeah. But I was, you know, that's, yeah. So my taste actually did go. Okay. Uh, and you and were... especially on chemo six, it mm. was, I had a really horrible taste. Okay. Okay. Really horrible okay. taste. Okay. So I want say, say that again. I said, don't take me back there. No, I I, I will I, I was gonna say for you to have forgotten such something that happened so long ago, it just tells us all a lot about you have really a very naturally optimistic personality, don't you? Yeah, I do. I yeah. absolutely do. And I got that, I get that from both my parents. Uh, who were optimists and creatives and, um, you know, I definitely get that from them. Well, that's a gift. And my it's, husband, actually. Oh, yeah. you found another optimist. Yes, I've got another optimist. Yeah. <laughs> some of us pessimists, we need the optimists. So spare <laughs> spare some for us. <laughs> I'm married to an optimist and it's one, It's wonderful. It's a yes. huge, yes. It's a huge blessing for me, but I don't know that he could... You know, I don't know that I lift him up in the same way. So, well, I want to talk a little bit. Um, well, I want to talk a lot actually about the cancer and food. But before we move on to that, I do have a couple of follow-up questions. Do they know or have they talked to you if, um, if I mean, it, it was this related to the HRT, to the hormone replacement therapy? I, I don't think it was. They don't have, no. okay. No. They don't. At the time, um, at the time when I went in, I had, you know, they said, have you got any cancer? Have you got any, you know, history? And when I thought about it, oh, yeah, I do. My brother two years ago had a scare, okay. uh, a cancer scare in his bowel. As oh. it happened, it wasn't malignant and it was all okay. Mm. Um, he has got something uh, going on, but, it, you know, um, I had a cousin. Yeah. yeah, I had a cousin who um, died fairly young. 
uh, but not of ovarian cancer. And I've got two other cousins um, who died very young of cancer, but not ovarian cancer. And I think that's what flagged they. That's 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 what sort of flagged it for them. Uh-huh. That there was this. Uh, you know, I might ask them again. And so they did all the BRCA, you know, gene testing and everything. And I'm not yeah. BRCA positive. I don't have this HD something or other. I don't gene. know what that is. It's basically it, it, you're predisposed to cancer if you have these genetic markers. Um, I think it's like the BRCA gene is, say, it could be, then I could pass it on. Or oh. I might have lost it on you know, like some people get mastectomies, don't they? Because they've got that gene and oh. maybe their mother had it. You know. Oh yeah, I think on Angelina Jolie, right? Yeah, Maybe that. Okay, yes, yeah, absolutely. I and never knew what so, that was about. Okay, yeah, I don't have that, which is great. Okay, because I, yeah, that's really fortunate. Um, and um, that's it. I mean, I just think it's a bit. God, it's a bit bad luck, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> quite it's quite luck. the interruption, isn't it? It is. It is yeah. it's quite an interruption, and yeah. um. I got, I mean, for anyone who has a diagnosis or something, I got really, you know, really down when I looked at the statistics of it mm. reoccurring, mm. et cetera, on, on stats that were published, you know, on cancer research. It wasn't like I Googled something and it come up on some obscure page. Right. But I was so lucky. I was saying to my godmother today, um, I was so lucky that my best friend, her father was a consultant mm. and he just sat me down and he said, you know, Ruth, these statistics, you, as soon as you do a trial on anything on a statistics, that data is out of date before it's even hit mm. the page. And, um, you know, the statistics, they for you know, ovarian cancer, they will have included, you know, maybe, um, quite, quite elderly people who couldn't mm. have had an operation. Mm-hmm. They will include uh, people who didn't, that all the cancer wasn't removed. Mm-hmm. They will include um, people who might have died from something else, mm-hmm. although they had a varying cancer, but they're still kept in there, you know, that statistic. And he mm-hmm. said, you would be classed, even at the age of 56, as a young person to have mm-hmm. had cancer. That's, that cheered me up enormously, I've got to tell you. Good. And um, uh, the young bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, uh, he. What else did he say? Which was great. You know, they've said you're in really good shape, which mm-hmm. that really well. Me up as yeah, well. weren't you, you walking know, to, walking two miles in the hospital like a couple of days yeah, after your yeah. surgery? Yeah. Yes. So, um, so, so that that is just positively. I've just sort of like kept on board, and and so I don't really think about uh, where it came from anymore. Yeah. I just try and think about, um, you know, having one step at a time, dealing with the, the treatment I've got at the time and trying to live my best life. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I could cry now saying it, but I want to live my best life. We all want to live our best life, don't we? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my best life is, um, you know, trying to be, you know, keep in contact with everybody I love and all my friends and being kind and being a good, a good friend, a good, a good relation. You know, I've got, I'm blessed with um, my godmother, my, my husband, my children, you know, my nephews and nieces, my brothers and their wives. And I've got, and my cousins, I've got a really, and my friends, I mean, my friends mm. are incredible. They did a, a, a food 
they arranged a food um, drop for me once a week when I was going through my treatment. They all know I love food. And <laughs> initially my husband had said, well, we don't really need that because I'll do it. But we loved having this food sure. you know, parcel once a week. Sure. And sometimes, you know, one lady, one friend of mine um, put in a, a little recipe that her mother had given her and a little scroll and they'd done a little mm-hmm. glass of little bottle of wine and some puddings and everything. But, you know, through food and I I am absolutely blessed. So anyway, sorry, I can get go off on a tangent. Um, it's I not a tangent I at all. I love to hear yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that you've just got to try and look at these things that are, money can't buy, can they? Yeah. Money mm-hmm. can't buy. Money mm-hmm. can't buy that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I try and concentrate on those things mm-hmm. and try mm-hmm. not to get worried about the the stuff that we do get worried about the statistics and the future and this is, yeah, the, yeah, uh, the you know, fear. The we, I could get run over by a bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the truth is life is life is life is short for all of us, whether it's short or long in the scheme of yeah. things and in the scheme yeah. of eternity, it's short for all of us really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also um, I did realize when I was doing my, my, um, treatment I went in one day to the Marsden to get my treatment and I saw that they got this they've got all the Macmillan resources around mm. I saw they did this recipe book and they did this recipe book and it's it was called it is called and you can download it for free uh mm. food uh oh my goodness I can't remember food effect for food affected by cancer recipe for those affected by cancer yes mm-hmm. I picked it up and I was having a little flick through and there's some really nice little recipes in there. And I, I was thinking, gosh, that's nice. And some of them are quite basic. And I was thinking, wow, God, I'm so lucky that I can cook. Yeah. I'm so lucky that I can yes. cook. And, um, you know, look after myself. I'm so lucky that my friends can cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look after me. And, and so that's, that, yeah. that's when I started through my chemotherapy. I started doing... Um, donation only zoom classes mm. um for people affected by cancer and i i had you know it wasn't i didn't have loads of people on there mm. i had just a few um and i just wanted to raise i wanted to raise money for macmillan mm-hmm. for the resources but also i wanted to try and do something yeah and you know i had um you know I can't really go into other people's stories, but, you know, there was a, a, a few people on there with different stories. Maybe they yeah. had been affected by people with cancer and were cooking for the first time. Mm. Um, and so we run, I would do the recipes that were in this book. Mm, and that was, a, that was a very, very rewarding thing yeah. for me to do. And I managed to raise, I think, I think I've raised about 2,200 for uh, Macmillan. That's wonderful. So that was great. I was, That's I was really pleased about that. Yes. Mm. Well, that's that's wonderful. I'm happy for you and happy for them that they have your support. Mm. And so I'd I'd really like to talk about that um, next. I would like to talk about food and cancer from at probably at least four different angles, and we'll just go through them one at a time. But so people listening know where we're going. I'm going to state them all now, but then I'll ask you one at a time. So don't feel overwhelmed. But um, one, I, I'm curious about food as medicine, like you were talking about all these fruits and vegetables and everything and going to whole foods immediately. Then I'd also like to talk about um, accommodating, you know, cooking in a way that accommodates 
some of the many ways that food can, or, or treatments can affect, you know, your digestive system, your sense of taste, your appetite, all of those things. Um, I'd like to talk about it from a emotional standpoint. I've read some of the stuff where you say like, it was almost, um, it was such a saving grace for you. And then I'd also like to talk about um, what you just mentioned, which are these food gifts and how we can, how we can really um, gift people with cancer, with food in a way that's really um, thoughtful and helpful for them. So those are the four things I want to go. So I'll go back to the beginning and ask you, you mentioned that you were immediately at whole foods and getting salads and antioxidants and all of these things. Talk to Mm. me about, um, food, food is medicine. Do you, do you believe in that as food as like a, an actual part of a treatment plan? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think, Okay, if I if I don't answer it correctly, you'll just have to not correctly, but you know it's not correct. Um, so I just I was brought up mm-hmm. with fresh food, mm-hmm. with you know cooking from um, cooking from scratch using local as much local ingredients as you can, mm. as fresh ingredients that you can, and um, using up ingredients. Um, when you've cooked something to cook, do something else. Yeah. And not wasting. I, yeah. I think all of that makes, that has always made me feel good, even at university. And, and, you know, I wasn't such a great cook. Uh, I've, you know, like so many people developed my skills of mm-hmm. cooking. Um, and, um, you know, although I kept, was brought up in a brilliant hotel, you know, where um, it was, it was renowned in the north of Scotland for its food oh. and actually in America, actually. Uh, but I couldn't really cook, you know, because I was in a hotel and I, I didn't go into the kitchen and cook much. You know, I used to whip cream. That's about it. But, <laughs> I, you know, I learned, I always knew that you should be eating fresh mm-hmm. as much as possible. So even when I went to, you know, university and I didn't know how to boil an egg, you know, my landlady said, Here's how to boil an egg. And I make myself scrambled egg and, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. I've always believed that cooking fresh food is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, I've obviously in my latter years, I mean, I worked, I worked in PR and I've worked as a, you know, project management for um, Ericsson's telecommunications Mm -hmm. company before in my forties, I retrained as a food teacher Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the food teacher, you have to teach about, you know, the nutrition. I think in America, you've got the, it's a pyramid of eating, isn't it? I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's a, a I think that's the official thing, but I don't think anybody really believes in that necessarily anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of voices. Yeah. We've got this thing, it's called the Eat Well Guide, and it's going to be, you've got to make a third carbohydrate through fruit and vegetable proteins and, you know, try and have nuts and pulses if you can. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I'm not so, I, I think if you're going to have carbohydrates, you try and have whole grain, um, just, you know, and I'm not sure about it whole being a third, yeah. um, but I've <laughs> always eaten a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables mm. um, because if something is raw and, you know, a piece of fruit, you know, it's going to have more vitamins in it because we yeah. all know that say vitamin C is impaired with heat. Yeah. Um, we know that if you have fruit and vegetables, that as long as you don't peel them to death and process them, that they've got lots of fiber in them. Yeah. Um, you know, so in answer to your question, 
yes, I have to, I have to believe that having a good diet will help. Yeah. Will help. Will it stop cancer? Will it stop lots of other diseases? I can't say because I'm not an expert and I know that there is a lot of people out there who maybe have gone down the chemotherapy route and other routes who are now trying alternatives. And, um, you know, I think if you want to go down that route, then it's a total personal choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, you believe it's a kind of (laughs) undeniable truth that whole fruits and vegetables and grains, I mean, they were designed to nourish us, to enrich our bodies, to give us what we need. And you need what you need when you're going through a cancer treatment. You're not, you're not prepared to say that they are the treatment, but they are an essential part of supporting treatment. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of people said to me, Oh, you know, when you're going through the treatment, if you want to have a piece of cake, have a piece of cake. Well, Mm. I, I kind of sort of thought, right. Okay. Well, if I'm going to have a piece of cake, I'm going to have a tiny bit of piece of cake. Mm. I don't want to have a massive piece of cake that's full of sugar and fat and, Mm you know, I want to still try and be careful. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not a slim gym. I'm mm-hmm. just a sort of borderline, I think a normal weight, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I don't want to be unhealthy. So I was still quite careful in my chemo sort of time and, and still am about how much cake I drink. Mm-hmm. I, uh, cake, 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 I drink the cake yeah. and stuff like that, <laughs> sugar. So like I did sort of, I was very mindful about sugars and I also was very mindful about alcohol because actually alcohol has got absolutely loads of sugars in as well. Mm -hmm. And I just actually, and that's that, that um, thing, I I just was quite mindful about how much my liver and kidneys were having Mm -hmm. to work and work through, right. Work through everything. All the toxins. Why put extra strain on your body? Exactly. It's like, I did drink. I, I made sure I drank absolutely loads of water. Mm-hmm. And they always said to me, you can, uh, we can tell you're really hydrated. Well done. You can, we can tell you you're hydrated. And I just actually thought, wow, I, I wouldn't have thought anyone would be until one day I was in and um, I had to give blood. Uh, and there was someone in the next cubicle giving blood. And the, the, pe- the nurse was saying, you've really got to try and drink more. You're really dehydrated and your blood is really sticky and mm. and she was going oh I just don't like to oh I just don't like to drink drink water I don't really like drinking anything and they're just going look really you you've got to and yeah so I think water is you know we mustn't underplay the the water as well is so important yeah I appreciate that hydrated and- yeah yeah I appreciate that and I think that it's good to say like you don't have to go so far as to say that you know food is a treat plan to say it's an essential, you know, that the food is curative, I guess, to say that it's an essential part of a treatment plan, right? Like it's really essential to just stay as to do, to control what you can control in an uncontrollable situation, which is to keep, keep yourself um, nourished and hydrated. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So how about, um, you know, you've been through a lot of the side effects. You talked about the exhaustion and you talked about the, um, the taste in your mouth. And then we know that a lot of times there's a lot of nausea, digestive issues. So maybe, maybe if, if somebody listening is going through cancer, but maybe definitely if we are like trying to support someone in our life, that is how can we cook or, um, give food in a way that like, um, accommodate some of these side effects 
Okay, so um, I think the first thing would be you would speak to the people, yeah. the person you would look up for, <laughs> yeah. and, and you'd say, you know, have you got any of these side effects? And they might say yes. Mm-hmm. And then you could uh, do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you want to have flavoursome food. Like I think uh, Ottolinghi's got quite a lot of flavoursome food. Um, you know, Who's it's always that? using preserved. Ottolinghi. Otto, okay, I'm keeping track of these. I've got four books that you've mentioned so far. It's, can you spell yeah, that for me? You know, but he's got, you know, plenty. He's got so many books out there. And yeah. uh, he, he does sort of Middle Eastern cooking. Ah. And it's got lots of lemons in and, and you know, really flavorsome food. This is um, interesting to me because I think my natural instinct would be that if, you know, you would want something... Um, you know, rice and, uh, you know, they put you like on the brat diet. If you don't feel well, like bananas, rice, what is it? Something in toast, you know, something very bland, but you're saying the exact opposite. You want something very flavorful to tempt you, you see, to eat. Yeah. But you see, this is not the problem, but this is the thing, isn't it? Because uh, yeah, everybody's different. Yeah. <laughs> and because different chemotherapies will have different. So for instance, um, someone I know, who was in their 80s, had, had cancer and, and had lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight. Mm. So they wanted to put on weight. Yeah. And so they were, um, so with the guidance in this Macmillan book, right, mm-hmm. and it said, you know, it would have like milkshakes, it would have like full fat yogurt, you could add some cream in there. And the stuff usually be thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> but, you know, for her, she needed to have something and her gums were sore. She needed mm. to have something that could be easily prepared because mm-hmm. she was, you know, getting on a little bit. And um, but needed to put some weight on. Mm-hmm. And whereas I don't need to put any weight on. <laughs> um and I I felt I just needed to have something to combat this kind of weird metallic mm. taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it is really, it, Becky, it's really, it really is very personal. Yeah. So, but your friends, so one of my friends took control of this, um, uh, you know, this list. Mm-hmm. And she said, right, so what kind of food would you like? And And for me, um, I'm not a vegetarian at mm-hmm. all, um, and I'm not a vegan, but mm-hmm. I love vegan and I love vegetarian food. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that my husband, if he was going to cook something, would probably be cooking meat, or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah. So I asked, uh, I said, if if possible, because I don't want to put anyone out, if possible, I prefer to have vegetarian food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, that that would be that that was the only thing I said. So mm. my friends knew that I would prefer to have vegetarian food, but it wouldn't be, you know, the be all and end all if they put meat in because I ate meat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I so I would say that you've got to really just sort of chat to whoever you're thinking about doing food from. Yeah. And also, yeah. like my husband said, uh my husband was, oh, I don't really think we want it and everything. And I said, you know, I would I would really like it. I think yeah. that's really nice because my friends want to do something yeah. because you feel helpless to see your yeah. friend suddenly through this terrible, you know, diagnosis, etc. 
Yeah. And you just want to be able to do something to say, look, I'm thinking of you and I'm, you know, sending you my love. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. And I didn't want to have a cake every you know week. I wanted to have, you know, something nourishing. So, yeah. 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 So is there anything that you, is there anything you learned like from the way that they did it that you thought, oh, I wouldn't have thought of this, you know, um, the way that they handled giving, giving you food. Are there things that they slipped into the basket or just, just anything really about the whole process that you thought, oh, if I, if I can ever support someone, I'll do it this way. Well, I thought my friend who came with the, the, it was a box Uh and it was like, I don't know if, uh, well, okay. So in the UK, you can get these boxes. They're called, they're from a company. I'm not going to say they're company because why should give them advertising? And in that you might get a meal that you're going to make up, et cetera. Anyway, Uh in this box was, as I said, there was a little scroll and you undid the scroll and it was called recipes from my mother. Mm. And she had made, what had she made? A salmon kabuliak, I think, is about salmon and it's rice and it's wrapped up in pastry. Oh, and it was, that sounds amazing. It, I know, I know. Uh, I told you I've got good friends that cook. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it had a little history and it had heating instructions mm-hmm. because that's really important, heating mm-hmm. instructions, how to, how to heat it up. Mm-hmm. And it had also uh, had uh, a little pudding there as well. And um, I think, and it had a little, I think I think it had a little thing of wine. There was a few, sometimes they came with wine. And actually it was only meant to be a main course, but sometimes my friends put puddings in as well, which delighted my children mm. and my husband. Mm-hmm. Incredibly sweet too. Right. Which is, which so, is a good tip also, is that you're not just cooking for the patient, you're cooking for their whole family, uh, right? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. A family, a family. And that's the other thing to find out how many people will be there. Yeah. You know, can your can your dish be frozen just in case something happened and it couldn't get eaten that night? You know, yeah. Should it be kept in the fr- fridge? I mean, those are the sort of things just to, to note down. Yeah. Um, because you just don't know what can happen in anyone's lives, you know. Right. Right. Um, now, talk to me a little bit more on um, the emotional side. So um, you've had a career in food for a while, but it seemed like you really double down on your cooking and being in the kitchen and kind of like almost the joy of cooking while you were going through your treatments. Is, is that true? Can you talk to me you about see, that? What, do you mean double down, not enjoying it? Oh no. On no, you, you enjoyed it more. You found more, um, like it became more meaningful to you. It seems like. Um, so I was very, very lucky. I went to a school mm. that, uh, had a strong, strong ethic of there is more in you than you think. It's plus et en vous, which is Latin. There is more mm-hmm. in you than you think. And I, I, it was quite a famous school. It's called Gordonston School, where the royal family went. And um, it, a lot of my education and a lot of, because my parents did a lot of stuff in the community, mm. work in the community, as in putting, you know, productions on. And my, you know, the, you know my mother was a potter. And mm. a lot of that giving mm-hmm. has stayed with me. And so when I was ill and could do just things, that helped me. Mm-hmm. And before, as I said, in lockdown one, when I was doing my little Instagram lives, mm-hmm. you know, that bought me, the, you know, a huge amount of giving as well. Mm-hmm. 
a huge amount of joy rather sorry yeah yeah so it's the giving that brings you joy and your yeah. your love language the way that you give is you cook and you teach and you talk about yeah cooking. sharing yeah sharing mm-hmm. and and sharing is great i mean that's the great thing about food, isn't it? You know, it, it is a great thing to bring people together, you know, to have people around your kitchen table. Yeah. It, my dad, I keep on going back to him, but he was a really good cook. Yeah. If someone invited them out for spaghetti bolognese, he would be absolutely delighted. Mm. <laughs> it didn't matter that it wasn't haute cuisine. What mm. mattered is someone would have him around his table to, you know, share a dish with him. Mm. And I think... My, I get this, you know, from my family, from, uh, you know, we, we're all kind of, we all love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do that. Let's go way, way back then and talk about your dad, your mom. Did you say you were raised in a hotel? Yes. Yeah, so my dad had um, a hotel uh-huh. uh, called Clifton Hotel, which was in the north of Scotland. And mm. he, um, my it belonged to my grandparents, but when it belonged to them, it was kind of like um, people a hotel that people would come to from Glasgow mm. um, on holidays before there was much travel abroad. Uh-huh. And then when my dad was in his teens, he went to uh, France, which kind of changed him in mm. terms of cuisine. And he mm. learned quite a lot over there. Yeah, He was down to go to uh, this quite famous um, uh, school in um, uh, Switzerland, but he didn't want to, which he always regretted. Mm. He went up to take over the hotel in the 60s and gradually changed the, the cuisine from there. Wow. It was in the Good Food Guide for like 20 years. Wow. And um, he used to have French students come over um, from sort of the hotel schools in Paris and work with him. The Good Hotel Guide and the Good Food Guide are both books that you don't pay to go in. Right. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. They are. And, you know, it is a, a really great thing to be in them. Um, and he was also mentioned in so many American uh, articles and um, and cookbooks, actually. And we used to get, a, you know, a huge amount of people from America Um in the wow. summer months, you know, coming coming over to do Scotland. So I was born in that. I was I was I was raised in that. It meant my parents were incredibly busy. Yes. Um, and I perhaps you know didn't have the traditional kind of upbringing. Mm. Um, because they were you know my dad was always working. My mother was a potter. Mm. She had a pottery, and uh, she would always be working as well. So I was sort of brought brought up with this quite a, a very co- in a very cosmopolitan yeah you know atmosphere in the t- in the north of scotland yeah you have oh. called nan yeah which is absolutely beautiful it's like uh, i don't know 10 miles from Calder castle which is mentioned in macbeth it's surrounded by you know it's got glenmorangie across the on the murray firth uh mm. across the water and the black isle it's got Glenlivet distilleries. It's got, mm. you know, fabulous grouse. You know, it's got a lot, you know, on Saturday, I'm ordering some lobsters, which will be um, taken from the Murray Firth and we'll be cooking them on Saturday night. You know, we are surrounded by culture here and uh, great food. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, that was the atmosphere I was brought up in. And, uh, it, you know, my dad would put plays on in the hotel and also have visiting people come over and do tours uh, you know on the 
do classical music in the round and you know it was a very special it was a very very special place um that is absolutely for sure and I'm not saying that because it was my parents no no it's just you had all of the the just spectacular beauty of northern Scotland and kind of the remoteness but then you were you were in the epicenter really of yeah all of this culture and um visitors and what a ideal intersection. Yeah, totally. I mean, we used to get people, I don't know, you know, judges from DC and, oh my God, it was just incredible. Bernard Heising, uh, you know, Bette Midler came. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, it was, was, you know, you go, oh, I I remember giving her a bill thinking, gosh, I recognize her. That's that's incredible. Now, did your parents yeah. did your parents' careers um, overlap? Like, did she sell pottery in the hotel, or did they have completely parallel careers? The, well, the pottery was next door, and so mm. she would always be saying to my send people next door, Gordon, send people next door to the pottery. <laughs> but she was a she was a really really creative woman in her own right, actually. And um, you know, she would have exhibitions up in uh, Edinburgh, and um. um I've actually got one of my bowls here, but you can't see it. And you, cause you can't see. Oh, can you see me? I can see you. <laughs> yes. I see oh, you. Yeah. So I'm at my godmother's. Oh, I actually yeah. only have, so this is like one of her bowls. I don't oh, know if you can see the beautiful it's red color. That deep, deep red. It's stunning. Yeah. It's yeah. gorgeous. And she could wow. throw, uh, this is earthenware. She could throw, you know, bowls that were so thin and yeah. just beautiful. Um, she did a, she did some work down with them. Um, not Bernard Lynch's son and down in St. Ives. She was incredible. She was incredible. That's my amazing. mother. They were both incredible. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. And so you were surrounded by amazing food, um, but you, amazing. you didn't cook. You didn't cook. When did that come about in your life? Uh, so I did as, a, before I went to boarding school, I used to have to go into the kitchen at six o'clock mm. and whip cream. <laughs> you know, uh, whipped cream for, for half an hour and I'd have to pipe things on desserts. Okay. And that was my, you know, I was, you know, have to do that. Yeah. And then after boarding school, we didn't do any cooking at all at school. I think maybe we did yeah. once. We did a cheesecake. When I left school, my first lodgings were in Edinburgh. Mm. And I just remember coming downstairs and the landlady saying, yeah, just make yourself an egg. And I said, I have no idea how to boil an egg. And so she taught me how to make a boiled egg. She taught me how to then scramble an egg. And then I had a boyfriend at the time in Edinburgh whose parents like would come down and, I don't know, they used to build, bring him really big boxes of steak and really high quality food. Really? And at that stage also, I got my first job as a waitress in a little Italian uh, restaurant in Edinburgh. And there I saw them making you know, a peppercorn sauce for a steak. So I asked them, could you show me how to make this pepper- Show me how to make a peppercorn steak. Then I made peppercorn steak for my boyfriend at the time. We would have <laughs> this, this thing. And then a Zab, is it called a Zablioni with egg whites and alcohol? I could make that, but not a lot else. After a couple of years, I came back to my dad's hotel and I worked as a waitress. And it was there I started um, picking up how to do things. Uh, uh. I went out with one of the chefs, actually, and he taught me how to, like, cut an onion and fry it off. And I just started taking not a huge amount of interest, if I'm honest with you, but a little bit more too, yeah. so that when I left left again, I could actually cook. And then during my student days, I was a vegetarian. 
I was a vegetarian for quite a long time. Yeah. And uh, I was the vegetarian cook in the canteen because it was fairly new. So I did one vegetarian dish, ah. I think, a week. And, uh, you know, it just sort of came from there. And when I, when, I mean, I did art, I did art at, uh, at school I, uh, for my degree. I didn't do anything to do with food. I did some lease training at least, uh, and that sort of like honed in skills. Mm. And I just sort of, you know, my interest in food grew. Yeah, I couldn't really make a cake until I had a child. Um, <laughs> and my friend Jenny taught me how to uh, make it. I said, you know, I said, gosh, that's amazing you make that cake. She said, don't you really know how to make a cake? I said, every time I make them, they don't come out right. And she mm. said, you know, it's science, Ruth. Mm. A cake is science. You can't. You can't mess around with ingredients. And she said, look, you just weigh this, you weigh the eggs, and then you're mm-hmm. going to do, you know, double the sugar and treble the flour, and this is it. And you must make sure the oven is on, otherwise the cake will sit. And that kind of, you know, then I started to develop more and more. And um, mm. so I was a project manager for Ericsson's, and I was literally tra- traveling all over Europe doing mm. things for them. Mm-hmm. And I'd, you know, I had my son, and he was in nursery school, and I just thought, I would, you know, I really wanted to have another child. So from that, I just, I just, um, the, how I got really into cooking is when I went into a school and I thought I was going to train as an art teacher. Yeah. And I went in and I saw they did food in schools and I thought, you know what? I would love to teach food. Mm. Absolutely passionate about it by that stage. Mm. And from starting to teach in, um, high school and then, um, it just developed and developed and developed. Okay. My okay. interest. Yeah. And now you work as an editor for a food magazine? Yeah. Uh, so, no, Yours Magazine is a magazine uh, really aimed at the over 60s. It's a magazine. It's a, uh, it's a lifestyle, not a lifestyle magazine. No. It's got articles on, you know, craft things. Yeah. It's, it's got life stories. It's that sort of magazine. And it's... Um, it's got a really, it's, it's uh, published by Baumud Media, who also do Grazia, and I bet they probably do some American things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recipes. I do uh, eight recipes every two weeks for them. Oh, and, that's um, a lot. That's a lot to yeah, keep up with, Ruth. Yeah, they'll come up with the themes. Um, because it's not kind of oak cuisine, it's about, it's about accessible recipes. Mm-hmm. I tend to basically do recipes that I'll be cooking myself in the, those those weeks and so mm. they've been you know what I just got to give them a big shout out because they've been so supportive when I've been mm. ill really good you know absolutely great and um I'm, I'm delighted to work for them yeah because and you worked it's a great all through your- as well. yeah you I did worked- yeah, yeah. I, I did so I also run three uh I run online cooking classes yes and um these are professionally shot um videos mm-hmm. and i've got three different classes i've got international cuisine i've got best of baking and i've got uh, classic cuisine mm. and they are aimed at anyone who wants to learn basic cooking and i literally take people through step by, you know how to make an apple crumble how to yeah. make chocolate eclairs and i did it for um the duke of edinburgh cooking scheme but um, I've got people from all well from all over doing this cooking class. So how um, how it's how it's assessed or how I give feedback on people's cooking is they take photos of their food and send it to me, and you know we'll write a couple of lines about what went well and you know what they could improve wow. on. So when I was in my hospital bed 
<laughs> I would get photos of, you know, someone's eclairs. And um, I would write, oh, that, you know, they look well cooked and everything. And I was able to sort of like carry on that That's throughout my, um, yeah. and it, do you know what? It gave me such joy and strength. Mm. It, you know, I'm, pa- I'm passionate about people being able to cook from scratch mm-hmm. and, um, you know, basic skills. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, I love baking. I love mm-hmm. all cooking. I love yeah. absolutely all cooking. Well, and, um, yeah, it's such it's an great. empowering thing because we have to eat every day. We We have have to eat eat every day. So if it's not an easy, natural thing for us, not to say we can't challenge ourselves, but if the basics aren't easy, that's a real stress. That's a stress day in and day out, at least three times a day in your life. Um, So, yeah. And also the great thing about the cooking courses is that they take take the the onus away from parents Mm. if it's children, Mm. you know, and if it's uh, young. I mean, I get a lot of people going off to universities or take the classic cuisine course or something like that, Mm. but it, it just takes takes the emphasis away from parents and I have this sort of tagline I say in your own time in your own place in your own time mm-hmm. how, how are they related yeah. to the Duke of Edinburgh what is that uh, well so in the United Kingdom yeah you have the Duke of Edinburgh who sadly passed away now correct who went to yeah. the same school as I went to incidentally so oh. he set up this award scheme for children to to give them try and give them experiences a bit like that he got at school which was you know he went on expeditions to try and push yourself he did volunteering he did community work so he set up these amazing this amazing award scheme that is uh opens all children throughout the united kingdom and uh throughout the world actually and you can do your silver you can do your bronze silver and gold and uh so part of that is a skill. So my classes can be taken part of the skill, which I one of the skills see. could be cooking. I see. And, um, you know, it's a great thing to be able to do an online class because if, if you learn how to do something online in your own house, they know, you know, you know how to clean up your kitchen, you know where equipment is, you know, you don't have to drive around, you can close yeah. the door and you can put the music on and you can look at me teaching you how to cook. Wonderful. Wonderful. I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. That's wonderful. I see. I see. No, thank you for explaining that. So I I just have two questions and I know we're past our hour, but one, did you just say you went to the same boarding school that he went to? Yeah, not at the same time, Becky. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I know. When he died, and I'm much younger. Yeah, 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 no, no, I. (laughs) I know. I'm just wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordonston was set up uh, by this person called Kurt Hahn. Yeah. Kurt Hahn initially set it up in uh, Germany, I believe, Uh and then maybe in Austria, and then because of the rise of uh, Nazian, had to leave, and he he set it up then to the, in the north of Scotland. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Prince uh, Philip went there. Yeah. Um, and um, he said it, you know, it, it, it formed a lot of how he was. Um, yeah. All his children went there as well. I think there's quite a few, few people have, you know, there's a lot of people that have yeah. gone there. And, and it was, and for I, me, I absolutely loved that school. I had a great yeah. time there. I think it was all male when he went. Right. It was definitely all male when he yeah, went, and, yeah. and uh, when I went, it was co-ed. Right, and it was it was um, it's depicted, you know, in the Crown or and otherwise as being almost like a brutal, almost oh. a brutal place. But that was not your experience at all. No, not at all. I lo- yeah. absolutely loved it. We had great food. Yeah, you know, we did lots <laughs> of exercise. There was a ratio of one to three. <laughs> 
one girl to three boys. <laughs> What's not to love there? <laughs> right. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really liked it. it. had a horrible uniform, like a really big skirt that was this thick, thick, thick wool. It's like wearing wow. a belt. Wow. Um, you know, we did things like they had a boat and you did learn how to sail. Mm. I loved it. I yeah, it. yeah, and, uh, it was a real really good friends from there. Yeah, a real holistic education, really yeah, covered and, a lot um, of skills. Yeah, it really was. It really yeah, was. None, no, not cooking. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But now you're taking care of that part. You're yeah. That now name. I am, and it's name, and now it's name. Yeah, yeah. So the last thing I'd like to ask you about, and and I will let you go. Thank you so much for your time. I'd love to ask you about this cake that you're sharing with us. Why did you choose this cake? Okay, well, I chose this cake. So my father, just before he died, wrote a book called mm. Clifton House Cookbook. And he ah. died and it was a complete, it, it was a right, it was a terrible mess, actually, the whole thing. Oh. So I, he had asked me before he died, please, can you get my book published? Oh. So I kind of thought, right, I've got to get this book published. Well, I had to sort of like find an editor. I was very lucky in that... Um, a local person mm. uh, who uh, did a lot of charity work gave me some money from a grant uh, towards getting it published. Mm. I was very fortunate to be put in contact with uh, a, a young lady who was uh, an editor at one stage for some news uh, company. And so she edited it as much as we could without spending a fortune on it. Mm. And uh, it's it was there's a lot of cookbooks now which have stories and then recipes and stories mm. and then recipes and daddy's book was really I'm going to hold it up yes see a little picture of it. yes what a handsome um, distinguished looking man I know he's got his kilt on and everything he oh looks, does oh, he I missed amazing. that oh yeah I'll I'll send you some photos because you just you'd probably find it interesting I would anyway um and so uh it was a real joy to do that. And my cousin helped me with a photography for, for, uh, photography for it. And it was a, it was a real, uh, you know, I'm sure anyone out there who's lost their parents, who loved their parents, it's a real blow when the last one goes. Mm. And uh, I just, this was my way of just really working through the grief and everything. Mm. And um, one of the recipes was called a Chinesian orange cake. Mm. And there are many recipes in there that I really like. But I have a very good friend called Jocelyn, and she in particular loves this cake. Mm. And uh, it's quite an easy cake to make. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can have alcohol in it if you wish, or sans alcohol if you want. <laughs> so that's always quite good as well. And I love it because you can serve it as a slice of cake and you can have a nice yogurt with it. Mm. Um, and Or you can cut it up really finely and have little, you know, um, toothpicks and hand it out as canopies at the end of a Christmas party or something like that mm. I just love it mm -hmm. and um you can there's there's lots of different things you can do with it and I love it and it would be my my absolute pleasure to share it thank you thank you it will be my pleasure to make it and my kids pleasure to eat it and I know that my listeners will love it as well so Ruth I hope so Yes. Thank you so much for your time. I know we went over, but I really enjoyed Absolutely. every minute of it. And um, so I'm going to include links to all of those books that you mentioned and absolutely your classes just tell everyone where to find you and of course they can always go to the show notes um and and read yeah. i'll have all um, the links in there 
Okay, so <laughs> if you wanted to do my online classes, you can mm-hmm. find out about them all on my website. Mm-hmm. And they are um, really great for wherever you are in the world. Um, they are all grams, but, you know, everything's in grams. Yeah. But it's very easy to convert to cups. And um, we I should all be weighing work. our things anyways. <laughs> I yeah, only, you should all be yeah, I only bake. I only bake with a with a um, scale now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you uh, want, I I do one to one Zoom class. It should people have to get in contact with me, or they want to have a, a Zoom. And the beauty about I think technology mm. is it does bring us all together. It mm-hmm. can bring us all together. And um, so I do classes, you know, people might say, I, I want to know how to make um, a creme patisserie with eclairs. I want to do it with a friend. And I say, right, okay, we'll do it as a Zoom class and we can just do, I can do, I like to think that I could do anything. Yeah. Try anything. <laughs> I think you can. That's, Ruth. that's the truth. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you I can. Also, yeah. I also do uh, classes at my house. Mm. Um which I do very intimate classes at my house. Uh, I am working as a food editor. Um, so I'm going to do classes at my house sort of every six weeks. I'll do yeah. one or something. And I'm also soon to be working up at Bread Ahead Bakery in uh, Borough Market in mm-hmm. London, which I'm super excited about. Wow. Uh, so I'll be there up once. And if any of your listeners are coming over and want to come and you know say hi and or just get in contact with me, I have a question about food or anything. I am always delighted to hear from absolutely anyone. Wonderful, Ruth. I I really, really have enjoyed this conversation Me too, so Becky. much. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful dinner party tonight. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much, Ruth. Take okay. My pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Ruth for this wonderful episode and all of the helpful information. All of the books and resources that she mentioned are included right there in the show notes, right in your player or over at thestoriedrecipe.com. Again, I would love it if you would support the podcast through a purchase at the Storied Recipe print shop or by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until then, have a great week, my friends.